loneliness is at epidemic proportions among cancer-impacted people. I'm Dr. Brad Miller, and after a 43-year career as a pastor, I was impacted by cancer myself, which left me feeling isolated and lonely in my own right. I responded by creating the Cancer and Comedy Podcast, which combined my ministry experience of serving others, along with my doctoral degree in transformational leadership and my love of comedy and podcasting to serve you. I've also created the Triple H Course for Healing and Hope with Humor, which is your way to develop your own cancer coping credo. You can get my free course at cancerandcomedy.com slash free. Here on episode number 18, we tackle the matter of loneliness, where it comes from, how it impacts the cancer diagnosis, and what you can do about it. So if you're ready to tackle the cure for cancer and loneliness, then listen on, my friend. Listen on. Cancer got you down? Pretty grim, huh? How about a show that turns the grim into a grin? Way to go. You made it here to the Cancer and Comedy Podcast, the show to lift you up with hope and humor that heals. Now, here's your chief lifter-upper, Dr. Brad Miller. And hello, good people. Welcome to Cancer and Comedy with Dr. Brad Miller. This is the podcast where we look to offer healing for cancer-impacted people through hope and humor, turning the grim of cancer into the grins of, a, of an uplifted life. On this episode, episode number 18 of Cancer and Comedy, we're going to be talking about loneliness, where it comes from, how it influences the onset of cancer, the impact of loneliness upon people who have cancer, and what can be done, what can be done about it. We're going to talk about basically a cure for isolation and loneliness and cancer. We're also going to have my bad joke of the day. And in our Make It or Break, break It uh, faith-based segment, we're going to talk about one of the loneliest people whom Jesus ever encountered. Loneliness. When we talk about loneliness, I cannot help but think about my neighbor, Lonesome George. Lonesome George is one of the kind of the uh, loneliest guys I've ever been around, and a little bit backwards, too. The other day, he told me he went that uh, he told me he had his very first date. And I said, how was it? Well, he said, well, it's a very underrated fruit. <laughs> oh, my. Well, when it comes to loneliness, it's not just a bad joke. It's a real feeling that uh, people have. As a matter of fact, it's the subject of lots of things that people go through. In fact, uh, some great uh, comedians, uh, I've been fortunate to be around some people who are entertainers and comedians that do a lot of traveling. And some of the things they talk about in some of their uh, comedy routines is some of the things that they deal with in loneliness on the road. Comedian Mike Birgiglia is a comedian and actor, and he's really known for his uh, personal and introspective storytelling. 
he's several stand-up specials, but he often talks about his experiences with loneliness and anxiety and depression. In one of his TV specials, he talks about how he used to go to the movies by himself and pretend that he was on a date with an imaginary girlfriend. Or he talks about how he went to a, a party and felt so lonely that he ended up leaving early uh, to go to bed. Another comedian by the name of Bo Burnham, uh, is he's a comedian, a singer, makes films. He kind of He's kind of known for his dark and self-depreciating humor. And he often talks about his experiences of loneliness and isolation, some of his mental health issues. And uh, one of these specials, he sings a song about how he uh, likes always feel like he's on the in, in his life as he's like on the outside looking in another one he talks about spending hours in his room uh, watching youtube videos and just eating cereal uh, you ever feel that way especially when you deal with something as profound as cancer hannah gadsby is an australian comedian she's known for her uh, honest and unflinching storytelling and she talks about her experiences with loneliness autism homophobia when one of her specials, she talks about how she used to think she was the only person in the world who felt so lonely. And she felt like in other specials, she talks about how she felt invisible. It's incredible stuff. Loneliness and social isolation are incredibly powerful, and they are basically epidemic in all walks of life. But we're going to talk about it in this specifics in cancer here. I was interested how it's come up. The topic of loneliness has come up in my life here recently. I was at a podcasting conference and a, a person who had a, a podcast all about uh, politics. I talked about how the, one of the main talks, uh, main topics of conversation in his political podcast was loneliness. And I thought that was kind of interesting. And in another situation here, um, I was able to talk to a, a person who deals with cancer in her life about her experiences uh, with cancer as well. Here's what a woman named Alice had to say. It's, I mean, cancer is such a lonely disease, I find. Uh, and to be able to um, hear from other people um, what they've been through, to be able to relate with their stories. I like when you use the word hope. You know, to being able to give a little bit of hope, uh, I think it's it's so so important, and we know that mindset, right, is is really critical in the healing process. Found out a couple of interesting things about loneliness and doing my research. I just when I typed in my surge engine cancer and loneliness, it popped up into the zodiac sign of cancer, which is not where I was going, but it was interesting, interesting to me. First of all, my actual zodiac sign is cancer. I was, I'm born in July, so that's my zodiac sign, cancer, kind of uh, ironic given that I talk about cancer here in this podcast. But one of the characteristics of the zodiac sign of cancer is the characteristic of loneliness and isolationism. I just thought that was kind of interesting as we talk about here uh, today. There's also people, there, there's also some great uh, quotes about loneliness. Thomas Merton said, loneliness is the poverty of self, the solitude, and solitude is the richness of self. Maya Angelou said, music was my refuge. I could crawl into the space between the notes and curl my back to loneliness. 
That was one of her responses to loneliness. And Henry Rollins uh, said in a quote, loneliness adds beauty to life. It puts a special uh, burn on sunsets that make, and makes night air smell better. The idea here is put a little bit of twist on it. So you can take the pain of loneliness and you can turn it around to uh, your, your benefit. I also love uh, pop music. I'm an old rock and roll DJ, and so I couldn't help but think about some of the songs, and this will date me from a little bit, but Only the Lonely by Roy Arbison. Uh, the song Look at All the Lonely People by America are some of the ones that 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 come, come to mind. Um, the song um, uh, Tears of a Clown by Smokey Robinson all indicate the loneliness and longing and the impact that, that it has. Let me share with you that there actually is research that shows that loneliness is a contributor uh, to having cancer and the impact of cancer. There was a study uh, done by a research organization out of uh, out of Finland, and what they found out was that uh, loneliness and social and social isolation increase cancer incidence and. In this process, they found that it was also associated with being single. And also lung cancer was associated with loneliness as well, in particular. I just thought those were interesting facts. And that people who were considered themselves lonely had a much worse survival outcome among cancer patients. You might have experienced that yourself. Maybe you've encountered people in your life who, when they have a cancer diagnosis, kind of withdrew to themselves or did some things that were not really uh, the best in terms of their uh, health. Maybe the temptation is there for you. I know it was was for me when I first got the word about my cancer diagnosis. Um, A part of me just wanted to feel sorry for myself and just kind of leave me alone, that kind of stuff. But that quickly went away, and I really needed realized that I needed other people in my in my life. I'm reminded of a situation where there was two people I encountered who both had a form of a form of lung cancer, and I encountered them within a short span of time. In one case, I was called to a hospital, and there was a man dying of of COPD, a lung disorder, and he was all alone. They didn't have anybody in his life, and the hospital called me in to do a chaplaincy call, and uh, he was all alone, scared to death. He was scared of going to hell, to be honest with you. And he was crying, and he was sobbing because he had no family, nobody to be with him. And I spent some time with him, prayed with him, actually baptized him, and that was a good thing. But not too long after that, there was a woman who was a part of the church I had served who had lung cancer as well that was... Not a, she was not a smoker herself, but she lived in a house of secondhand smoke, probably how she got it. And anyhow, but she was surrounded by loving family. When she passed away, she was uh, just had, there was a real warm sense of family and love there. Which would you rather be about? You know, the isolationism and the fear or the love and the care of being with others, even at such, such a point in time, in time. So what I want to share with you here is that when you have loneliness in your life, it is a real thing and it can impact you. And what can you do about it? Well, you can. And I just want to share with you that there is a basically a cure 
for loneliness. And that cure is people. And it means you have to be kind of like you have to be assertive with your medical diagnosis. You know, you do see a doctor and you get your, if you have cancer, you're impacted by cancer, you get your treatments, you know, whatever it is, chemo, radiation, surgery, uh, other medications. That's what you do if you want to, if you want to deal with cancer. But you also have to deal with the emotional impact of cancer and the relational impact of cancer. So it doesn't do you a whole lot of good. You know, there are times when we need to be alone, but not necessarily isolated, as in sealing ourselves off from the world. That's when you kind of pull the cover over your face. That doesn't do any good. What you need to do is you need some time for reflection and to be alone, listen to music, whatever it is you need to reflect and re-energize alone. But you do need other people in your life. So let me talk to you about how the cure for the isolation and loneliness in cancer is to talk to other people about it. Here is the thing. Start with the people closest to you. You can start with your spouse if you have a spouse. You can start with your children if you have children. I mean, even if, if your children are adults, that's great. Even if they're younger, talk to them about what's going on. Be honest about what's what's going on. You know, and they can offer support and be with you. Presence means a whole lot. Beyond that, you can reach out to friends. I know one of the things that I did in my situation is I reached out to a couple of close friends who I had some real uh, affinity to, you know, guys who I would, uh, in this case, men, who I had some real... Uh, spent some great times with and some tough times with, and we're able to share and get through this. In my case, a couple of my friends actually had similar cancer to me, uh, prostate cancer. We were able to reflect not only about emotionally and some of the stuff going on that way, but they were friends with me. And we, you know, we sat down, we laughed and we cried and we had a beer together and we did the same things to, together that were enjoyable and we were friends, but they also kind of filled me in on some of the, their experiences. There's other things you can do too. Maybe you can join a support group. Maybe through your doctor or, or another group, join a support group. In-person support groups are available for cancer-impacted people really around the country. But you got to kind of seek them out. You got to go to your local hospital or your local uh, center, maybe church or synagogue or someplace, and seek out those type of things. Uh, if there are people there who can be helpful. Another thing that you can do is volunteer with get involved with something in your community. It doesn't even have to be medical or cancer related. I was talking to a good friend of mine just uh, today who, after suffering a real a medical uh, problem in his life, which almost took his life, a stroke, uh, ramped up his volunteerism for a center that provided help to homeless people. And that was really, really important for, for him and for his wife. It's also a great place to meet new people, make new friends. That's something else you can do. Take a bit of a risk. Talk to people, especially if you have an affinity, something in common. Do that. Here's something else that you can do. Take up a new hobby or activity. It's a great way to meet people, share your interests, you know, that type of thing. One of the things I'm looking forward to here uh, upcoming is I'm going to be getting involved with some people and playing pickleball. Never played it before. I'm getting together with some people. We're going to play uh, pickleball. My brother's going to teach me uh, how to play. And uh, look, I know there's a whole community in my community, a whole bunch of people who do that. I look forward uh, to that. Uh, this stuff that you can do. Yeah, you know, cancer is a deadly thing, but you don't have to go through it 
alone. You just don't. And that is the key to isolationism is to break that pattern in your life because that can suck you down. That can take you down to a dark, dark place. The key to loneliness is people. Starting with yourself, if you're the cancer-impacted person, but you got to take a bit of a risk and get out there and do that. You don't know where these are, where great things are going to come from, but they do come from, and they do impact on on your life. Heard a story about a uh, a woman who called a cab, and when she called the cab, the cab driver came to pick her up at a very uh, beautiful home uh, in an older suburb of of, of the city. And the woman was obviously up in years, probably around 90, the cab driver uh, suspected. And she was dressed immaculately. And she uh, had with her a couple of bags with her, suitcases. And he, uh, she instructed, uh, she got into the back of the cab and the driver of the cab you know, was very nice about it. He helped her carry the, the, the bags, her bags uh, to the cab, said, uh, ma'am, where would you like, uh, where are we going? And she just said uh, to drive. And she instructed him to drive around the city. And she, he drove into the middle of the city and she said, this is the phone company where I worked for 42 years. And she just pointed it out to him. And she drove past an elementary school, and she said, this is where my sons went to elementary school. And the driver was kind of interested and intrigued, but he couldn't quite understand what was going on. And she had him drive past a factory, that uh, an automobile factory. They did automobile parts. She said, this is where my husband worked for 51 years. He's gone now. My children have moved away. Then she drove, had him uh, drive by a shopping mall, and she said, with a couple of restaurants there, and she said, this is the mall and the restaurants where me and my friends used to go and and have uh, have dinner on Sunday afternoons. And she said, they're all gone now. And finally, he thought he was going to be taking her back to her home, and she gave the address of where her final destination was. And she pulled up to, uh, the cab pulled up to a hospice center. And it turns out that the woman had just took a tour of the places where she had had a longing to see one more time because her children had grown up and moved away. Her husband was gone. Her friends were gone. She was the only one left. And now she had terminal cancer and she was going to the hospice center. And she pulled out a $100 bill to pay the cab driver. But, of course, the cab driver uh, refused the money. And all he did was offer the woman a hug and a moment of companionship. And that was a great day for that woman and for that cab driver, a day that we'll never forget. My encouragement to you, my friend, is you can be uplifted in all kinds of things. And what we're here about on the Cancer and Comedy podcast is all about uplifting stories. And I want to encourage you... Whatever situation you're in, whether you suffer from cancer or you're impacted by that or whether you know someone who has, be a source of something uplifting. That might be a card, a letter, a Facebook post, a personal visit, uh, an email, whatever it is. But be an encouragement to somebody else, and that'll be a good thing. That'll lift them up. And that's what I want to encourage you to do as a part of helping to be the cure for loneliness 
and its impact on people who are impacted by cancer. That's what I got to share with you today here on Cancer and Comedy. Hey, my friend, I just wanted to share with you that uh, here on Cancer and Comedy, we have a special gift for you that's going to help you if you're impacted uh, by cancer in your life and you want to do something about it. It's, it's our free course. We call it the HHH or Triple H course, which stands for Healing Through Hope and Humor. It helps you to develop your cancer coping credo, a statement that's going to help you get, get through that. It's a free course. just takes you it's a five short sessions. It's all audio. You can get that free course at cancerandcomedy.com slash free. Now let's lighten things up just a little bit by having our cancer and comedy segment, Dr. Brad's Bad Joke of the Day. Nerdy Ned was a scientist who loved to study frogs and amphibians, and he loved to spend his time out in the swamps and the ponds and the lakes looking for and studying frogs. He didn't have many friends, didn't have any girlfriends, nothing like that. He just spent his time studying frogs. One day he was out in the swamp looking for frogs to study, and he hears his voice. Nobody around. He could see nobody around. He calls it, hey, psst, hey, hey, mister. Hey, mister. It was a feminine voice. He didn't know where it was coming from. Hey, mister. And he looks down, and there is this frog right there looking at him. And it's a frog in this beautiful feminine voice. And the frog says, hey, mister, if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. And Nerdy Ned, the scientist, bends down and he picks up the frog and he puts it in his pocket and he begins to look for other frogs. Then he bend the frog from the pocket from the pocket of his uh, his jacket uh, speaks up again in a little louder voice and the feminine voice says, "Hey, hey, Mister, didn't you hear me? I tell you what, if you kiss me and turn me into a beautiful princess." I'll be your girlfriend. I'll be your girlfriend for for a week. Nerdy Ned takes the frog out of his pocket and he looks at it and he smiles at it. And, and for a minute, it looks like he might kiss the frog. But then he puts, he looks at it and he kind of smiles. And he puts the frog back in his pocket. And this time the frog is crying. Okay, okay, the feminine voice says, if you kiss me and turn me into a beautiful princess, I will marry you. I will marry you. And again, Nerdy Ned takes the frog out, smiles at it, and puts it back in his pocket. And the frog is now desperate in the pocket of Nerdy Ned and, 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 and yells out in just a screaming voice almost, What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? I've told you that if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. I've told you if you kiss me, I'll be your girlfriend. I have told you if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess and I will marry you. What more do you want? Nerdy Ned smiles and says, Look. I'm a scientist, and I'm a serious scientist, and I don't have time for a girlfriend, but a talking frog, that's pretty cool. Well, now it's time to shift gears a bit for Dr. Brad's Faith It 
or break it segment. In our faith at our break it segment, I want to tell you about a person whom Jesus encountered who was one of the loneliest people whom he ever encountered in my estimation and what he did about it. It's a story that's a couple places in the, in the Bible. In Mark 5, it talks about a woman who was a big crowd of people was around Jesus, and she was desperate to get to Jesus because Jesus was healing people, but she didn't want to uh, confront him personally, directly. She just thought, if I just can reach out and just touch his clothing, then something good will happen. And she did just that. She was very sick. She was bleeding. She was uh, in a desperate state. She'd been seeing doctors and nothing was working out for her medically. And she reached out and Jesus was in a crowd and she reached out and she, indeed she was able to touch just the edge of his clothing and she was healed. But Jesus noticed that some energy went out of him is the way the Bible uh, puts it. And he turned to her, who touched my clothes, he said. Who touched me? And she, the woman was a bit embarrassed. She didn't know what to do. And he kept looking. And then the woman knew that she'd been called out, basically. She fell at his feet. And she told him the truth. And, and Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you, healed you. Go in peace and be freed of your suffering. So here's the deal. She was desperate. She was lonely. She was isolated. She was sick. She was a mess. But she reached out. And here's the lesson I'm going to give you, your faith or to break it uh, uh, lesson for today. Simply this. She knew that she had to touch something of, of significance and of power. And she reached out and touched Jesus and good things happened. But what would have happened if she'd stayed isolated, if she had stayed lonely, if she hadn't taken a bit of a risk? Nothing good would have happened. She would have probably died not too long after that and been lonely and isolated. And there, the way it was, she was noticed for what happened, and Jesus noticed her, and energy happened. And so what I want to share with you here in our Faith at a Break It segment is reach out to others. If you're impacted by cancer and you're dealing with loneliness, reach out to others and good things will happen. Energy uh, will happen. And if you're one of those people who you can offer energy to others, you do that. You know how this works. Break it means to not do anything. That means you're going to be broken by your circumstances. Your faith it opportunity is to do what is needed for healing and to be freed from your suffering. That's our faith it or break it segment. Hey, my friend, this brings us to the close of this episode, episode number 18 of the Cancer and uh, Comedy Podcast. This podcast exists for you, and we're here to serve you. We can serve you by offering you our free course called the HHH course, Triple H, which stands for Healing Through Hope and Humor. It helps you to develop your own cancer coping credo. It's uh, five short audio sessions. You can get that free course by going to cancerandcomedy.com slash free. We look forward to serving you again real soon here on the Cancer and Comedy Podcast, where we look to offer healing through hope and humor, turning the grim of cancer into the grin of an uplifted life. 
Until next time, friends, this is Dr. Brad Miller encouraging you with the words that a cheerful heart is good medicine. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Cancer and Comedy Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Make sure you visit our website, cancerandcomedy.com, where you can follow the show and get our newsletter. Like what you hear? Then tell a friend about Cancer and Comedy, the show that lifts your spirits with hope and humor that heals. Until next time, keep turning the grim into a grin.